Podcast One. Robbie Bell has worked in some pretty fancy kitchens around the world. Now, he started his own business as a charcuterer. You know what that is, right? It's a very tasty episode 462 of the award-winning Small Business Big Marketing Podcast. Welcome to Small Business Marketing Show, where successful small business owners share their souls to take your marketing straight to the lead. Now, here's your host, Mr. Tim Bowie. And welcome back to your weekly dose of marketing morsels. I'm your host, Timbo Reed, you, infinitely more importantly, you're a motivated business owner who's ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be. And that's exactly what we do around here, guys. Plus, you can join our free Facebook group to discuss the learnings from each episode with myself and others just like you by searching Small Business Big Marketing Tribe on Facebook. Big episode today. We meet Shakutara, Robbie Bell. Shakutara what? I hear you ask. Don't worry. Don't worry. I didn't know what one was either. A Shakutara is someone who works with cured meats to make terrines and pâtés. And more importantly, though, Robbie is one of the more passionate business owners I've met in recent times. And his loving approach to building his little empire is quite a breath of fresh air. I think you're really going to enjoy that interview. Another listener who's implemented an idea from this show at a conference they spoke at on Wall Street. Ah, Wins over $1,000 worth of prizes in this week's monster prize draw. And I've got some big news about next week's guest. I'm very, very excited about it and or him, I should say, not it, and you should be too. As per usual, team, there is marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. Righto. Speaking of getting stuck right in, let's meet today's special guest. After completing his apprenticeship as a young chef in England, Robbie Bell spent the first years of his career working for a Michelin-starred chef. Now, that's fancy pants stuff right there. And he's gone on to hone his skills at some pretty fancy establishments around the world. Then, in 2015, not so long ago, seeing a gap in the market for high-end charcuterie, (laughs) such a hard word to say. I've even got it spelt here phonetically. Still trying to wrap my gear around it. And wanting to put his score core skills to use, Robbie and his wife started the City Larder, which now supplies over 180 stockists around Australia with high-end pâtés and terrines. He also got, he's also got a podcast. I love it. He's a small business owner with a podcast called Cooking the Books, which is in its third season. Now, you're going to love Robbie, as I did. He's larger than life. He has some solid views on how to build a business that you are going to love and be passionate about and even stronger views on buying local, something I'm particularly passionate about, even though sometimes it's hard to do, and we'll talk about that later in the episode. I started off by asking Robbie what he's learned about pressure from cooking in some of the world's best kitchens. Well, I've learned how to deal with it, that's for sure. And I've also learned uh, not to put too much pressure on the guys because I've also worked in kitchens where there's been that much pressure, you're actually scared to, to, 
to perform. You're, mm-hmm. you're scared to do things. You're scared to put food on the pass. And instead of it being a positive, it, it's a real negative, you know? I can understand that. The reason I ask that question is I worked in a, uh, I was a cocktail barman in my uni days at, at a pretty well-known Melbourne restaurant. I remember walking into the kitchen once, and I won't name the chef, but a big knife went flying past my face. <laughs> and this, yeah, yeah. this guy was known. I've, I've seen a few things, to be fair. And it's not so much, you know, it's getting less and less, to be honest with you, Tim. It's, it's, a, it's really getting stamped out with this new, the, the new modern, modern approach. You know, back then was a lot of like hiding, secretive, you know, keeping recipes to themselves. Oh, yep. Where now it's a lot more open. People are open about the hours. People are open about mental health. People are open and about a lot of things. So that, that kind of style is definitely on the decline, which is a fantastic thing. Well, that's awesome. I mean, and so it should be because it wasn't a great environment to be in. And I guess the emergence of like all these celebrity cooking programs on TV, they were, that's probably done a fair bit for your profession. Yeah, it definitely, yeah, for sure, it definitely has. Um, Good and bad? Good and bad, yeah, that's what I was just thinking, like, oh, yeah, definitely it's brought a lot of notoriety to to chefs and the hard work and, 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 and whatnot that goes along with that. But then on the same hand, the people that were in it back then were very, like, in it for anything, you know? you It's in your blood. If, if it's in your blood, it's in your blood. You'll do it for pennies or you'll do it for dollars. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't really matter. You're going to do it. Where now you unfortunately maybe some people are getting in for the the fame mm. and and the stories and and it's not really the, the right industry for them really you know well there's a generation coming through and this makes me sound very old robbie but you'll probably agree that uh what when asked what do they want to do they want to be famous is their number one answer exactly exactly <laughs> which is crazy really you know yes. we all know that must bring so much stress when you really think about it correct correct so listen um 2015 you've had enough of uh you've had enough of these crazy kitchens and you start city larder based i understand on the feedback you're getting from a christmas terrine you're making at home is that how it all began yeah so yeah that's 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 nearly accurate so I had it, I'm not trying to look. Don't take this the wrong way, but <laughs> I hadn't had enough. That's a, the thing. If I, I would still be in that, I love that industry, 100. Like I, I really love the industry. Um, I would still be doing that and, and going along. But my wife, had, we had a baby. Me and my wife had a baby. So your you, 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 your values change effectively. You, do you know what I mean? And um, and I was making, like you said, I was making terrines for the staff at work and I, going back a little bit there I knew I had to have an exit strategy I knew that I had the baby and I was like oh I can't keep doing this I'm, I don't I want to be there for my family I want to have the relationship my dad was an engineer and worked away a lot offshore and I never really had that great relationship because he was away and I thought I just don't want that for myself and my son so I was like what am I going to do and I, I always talk about exit strategies and people need to really think about them and what they're going to do in the future but yeah so th- at this specific Christmas I knew I needed to do something and I was writing business plans I've been writing business plans all my life it's it's like a little hobby for me you know real simple ones from a loaf of bread to a pack Love of it. ham a pack of cheese divide it up and and what how many do I need to sell and you know the price and I've done that since I was a kid you are writing business plans since you're a kid since I was a kid yeah why just explain explain that thinking I'd, I've always I'd always been into business and you know what it got beaten out of me at school to be honest with you which is su- when uh, I look back yeah. I, I don't it's pretty frustrating I was so I'd, I'd done lots of different things like I don't know if you remember them pens that you drew on t-shirts do you remember them and they like formed up this is like early 80s uh, 80s do you remember them I, I should because like, I'm a child of the 80s which what, what, what do they do you write on t-shirts with pens 
Yeah, yeah, it's like a pen, and yeah. you write on the on the t-shirt like a plain white t-shirt, and it like forms up and it sticks on the t-shirt. Anyway, okay, it doesn't yes. matter. Yeah, so, I've got it. Yeah, yeah. So I so I used to draw pictures on them, sell it to my mates. Um, you know, buy a plain white t-shirt for a dollar, <laughs> buy a pack of pens for a dollar, and make you know and draw daft things on them, stick men or whatever. And my mates would just buy them. They were rubbish. They were absolutely <laughs> rubbish. But they would buy them for whatever reason. I don't know. They just had to need to spend some on the pocket money. So that would be what I was doing that. And I was just always selling stuff, bits and bobs. And um, yeah, and I, like the first business plan I ever remember writing was there was where I lived. There was a uh, a race course and I used to see everyone piling into the race course walking down the street near my nana's house walking down I thought you know if I just stood there and sold sandwiches um, you know I might be able to make a few quid so then I would be like okay how much is a loaf of bread and it would be like 30 pence how much is a pack of ham break it down margarine or butter or margarine back in them days yeah. and then work it all out this is how much it costs it'd be a dollar a pound a sandwich well i need to sell it for two pounds Love make 50 percent. you know and that's and that's what i did and i've done that and i just always kept that up forever so i was but going back to what you were saying i was writing these business plans when i knew i needed to leave the bit the rock the restaurants and i was like try the cafe you know, try to take away these kind like writing these business mm-hmm. plans. And I just couldn't get the figures to work. I just couldn't work it out. They just wouldn't. The maths didn't work up, work out, and the scalability didn't work out in the whole thing. And I was like, what am I going to do? So then I ended up making these terrines for staff, um, these staff hampers. And then, um, sure enough, everyone was like, they were fantastic. You should start doing them and selling them. And I was like, bing. Okay, let's do that. That's what I'm going to do. And that's how we started. Oh, I love it. <laughs> finally, yeah. finally, a business plan came through. It was clearly a great thing to do in your growing years to uh, finally land on one that you love. So, why did you choose? What are you? A, a charcuterie? Is that yeah? Is that charcuterie. What? So, charcuterie is like cold meats, basically. Right. You know, like terrines, pate, um, uh, rillettes, uh, and then as far that's like more of a quick kind of charcuterie. You know, you can make it within a couple of days, and then you've got things like you know, like salamis and prosciuttos and and all these kind of things. That mm-hmm. all comes under the category of charcuterie. So that niche that you've chosen, and Robbie, I do love a good niche. Uh, that is because that's the type of chef you'd grown up as, or it's just a particular area of chefing you'd love. Exactly that. So I was. Uh, you know, I've come from the classics. Our tagline is cooking the classics, and that's where I've come from. I've come from that old school generation of cooking, you know, and using up, utilizing the whole product, buying the whole animal, and, and using it up. And that's and and I love that, and I love that technique. And like I've said many times in many interviews, I love the fact of being paid for the skill. That's what I love that. Like you buy a secondary product, like a pork shoulder, for instance, you you do a, a process to it, which is the skill, and then you sell it for, you know, you turn it into a premium product. Mm-hmm. So you turn like, you know, like a, a $7 a kilo into a $35 a kilo product. So you do your business plan. You, you love being a charcuterist. I guess that's what you're yeah. called. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess you would, yeah. You've done the business plan on it. What's the next yeah. step? Because right now, you know, all your life, you've been, a, you've been an employee. I, I think... I think it's quite interesting uh, the fact that you've gone oh hang on we're having a kid <laughs> i better make life easier and start a small business uh, there'd be a lot of people <laughs> listening to this who go robbie robbie stay an well, employee much easier honestly i tell you what <laughs> the next two years i can i can't credit my wife enough honestly i just really can't like you know what you've you've had a baby and it's it's you know it's it's that's a lot of pressure and then financially we took such a hit you know i was the executive sous chef at rockpool which is a really well-paying job and um and i went we went down to, to earning no money it was crazy you know and 
I could tell you about some hard times, but you know, I, I don't want anyone to get any any tissues out. Do you know what no, I mean? No, mate, tell but, us. I mean, I, you know, I think we need to understand. I mean, there's a lot of small business owners listening who understand the hard times. There's others listening who are thinking, "I'll start a small business." Tell us about the hard times. What we, you know, you've gone. So from- it, it got us. It got as bad as this is. You know, I, I've never really said this, and even even to friends and everything, I've just kept this totally under my hat. But on this opportunity, and as you're asking. We got money for my son when he was born from friends and family, you know, like $100 here, $100 there. And we spent all that. That's all gone. We don't have a penny of that. It's all, you know, we, we had to spend the whole lot to keep afloat, to, to pay for rent. That's how bad it got, you know, when we were... And I'm not joking. It's not poor odds or anything. I'm not saying that we're superstars and I'm sure anyone would do it and go through that. When you're in it, you're in it and you, you commit to something. When I commit to something, I go hard, you know. I, I, it'll take a lot to break with me. And so we were eating like chicken wings from the chickens that we were eating, but, you know, just rice. It was dire. It was dire, dire, dire times. But, you know, we just... My wife never, not once did she ever question, never. She would say, this is really difficult, you know, we're really struggling to pay rent and this and that and the other. Well, we were struggling to pay rent and, and whatnot. And I said, it'll be fine, we'll get there, we'll get there, we'll get there, don't worry. Just let's keep going one step in front of the other, we'll get there. And sure enough, we got there. At this point, I'm questioning your ability to write a good business plan, Robbie. <laughs> Look, this is the thing. We did this on cash flow. We built this on uh-huh. on, on on nothing. We have we've had not a penny investment. Ne- never never borrowed outside of your son. You've never borrowed money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you've just cash flowed the thing all the way. What mate? What gave you the strength? You sound like a fighter to me. But what gave yeah. you the strength and the mental strength in particular to go? We're going to get there. This is going to work because you know. And I, I'm going to go, I always default to this, but I'm dyslexic. So, man, I tell you what, not, that, that, that in them 16 years or 15 years, 10 years at school, whatever it is that you do, that was a really hard time, man. That was like seriously, like I used to go into lessons and, and not have a clue what was going on. I didn't even know what university was till I was like 20, 21 or 22. Never even heard of university. Didn't even know what it was. And, you know, and I used to go into, into classes and they would be talking about stuff. I didn't have a clue what was going on. And I figured it out, you know, we, I got there and it was incredibly difficult. And, I, you know, I, I just feel like I've got... Um, I, I, I'm un- I, don't, I feel like I'm unbreakable mentally in that sense. You know, I, I, I don't, not, I don't, I never think about failing. Never, not once have I ever thought about not getting where we want to go. We'll get there. It's, it'll be hard. It's going to be incredibly difficult. We're going to go through some hard times. We're going to have to really struggle and dig down deep and make it work. But ultimately, if it had come to it, I was working. Uh, I know I'm jumping around here, but I was working five days at Rockpool and building the business for two days. And then I went on to uh, four. Rockpool were fantastic f- for letting me do this. And I went to four days at Rockpool and three days on the business. Then I went down to three and did it. And I got down to the last three and I tried to go to two and they said, no, 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 no. <laughs> this is enough. You've been doing this long enough. You either come back on with us or you make the jump. So we made the, we made the jump. But I always knew I've got seven days in the week and we we're only putting like six in the business i could always go and get a job if it really got dire i could we could cut back on the business and i would start back work and i could and we didn't owe any money that that sense of not owing any money was really beneficial for me you must have come very close because uh every single dollar every single dollar you're making you're putting back into the business living on chicken wings did did you come close to sort of looking at your wife and going look let's go to the bank and just get it five thousand dollar loan never Never, never. I just didn't. I don't. I, and I, and and I, I probably put a lot of people's noses out here, but I, I really don't. Really, I don't like the banks. To be honest with you, That's I right. really don't. Many don't. 
Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I just don't like the way that they do it. I don't like that. You know, it is what it is. That's just my view, and I'm sure it works for a hell of a lot of people. But I, I this is the way. I, it's my road. You know, it's my journey and my wife's journey as well. Not just my journey. It's mine and my wife's journey, and we, we'll do it the way that we want to do it. You know. So you're eating chicken wings. You're going. This is hard. Wife's going. Well, how are we going to pay the rent next month? Tell us about the point where things turned around, and you've gone. This is working. So. We we got a good accountant. We got invited to go to a really good accountant and go to a meeting with him. And, and we, see, we were starting to see some progress and we were starting to be able to pay the bills and not waiting for with the cash flow and things and not waiting for us to get the bills, our bills in to then pay the bills. Do you know, obviously that's a pretty simple thing, but that's what that's when, when we could start going, okay, we've got a grand in the bank. So we can pay our bills and then we can wait for our money to come in. That was then we were starting to go, okay, we can see some progression here. And obviously we we were always buying equipment. So we we're making a bit of money and then we buy a piece of equipment. We'd make a bit of money. Then so we always knew we were making money. It's just we couldn't get to the money because we needed to build the business. So and I, I knew the and obviously we had zero and we could see all the, the numbers and the, the margins and it was always there, but it just it, it wasn't growing fast enough. But it couldn't because we didn't have the equipment. You know what I mean? It was just like I could see that we were on the right trajectory and it was working. It was just a matter of time. That's what it was. I'm always interested, Robbie, to know where names come from. City Larder, what, how'd you come up with that? So the name Larder, the name Larder is obviously, um, I think it's English, is it English? It's, you know, the Larder would be the yes. cold, set cold area in the in the kitchens and there'd be maybe a slab of marble back in the day that you would keep your, your meat on in England before refrigeration and things. And then in the kitchen, like in the, in, the, in big kitchens, you'd have the Larder section, which would be the cold section, which is terrines were made on. Made on. Um, and then obviously the city, we were in the city and it was like, I wanted to have a bit of a feel of like the country, a little bit of mm. feel of like, um, you know, like a, an old French farmhouse country style with the larder, but then modern with the city. That was a thought, that was a thought process basically. Sounds like you nailed it. So the, the business today is you're a wholesaler to about 200 restaurants and cafes and food stores around Australia. And That's you've got a shop front in is it Ivanhoe? In, yeah, in, well, actually, we've, we had to shut the shop front because we did again. We did the maths and it wasn't working, so we've now actually turned that into a portioning and packaging room because the wholesale business. When we took on the shop, we needed the 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 the, the shop front to to get the revenue and and you know the cash flow, yep. instant cash, isn't it? We needed that to to keep it going. But then I, then when, once we got the shop, we really started rocketing and, and we really started doing making some good not money but you know getting good revenue so we um we just made the decision that this wasn't going to work with the shop front so we closed the shop front turned that into a packaging room to keep it separate so we've got like a raw room a cooked room and a packaging room and then that makes it so we can get has up and things how many staff you got nine how's that going every small business owner i ever speak to is like i mentioned people they go oh really what else you no. got no you know i We've, I haven't got a bad word to say about any of them. I love all of them. They're all fantastic. I reckon and, you'd be a pretty you know, good boss. And Say that again, sorry? I reckon you'd be a pretty good boss. Yeah, look, I, I believe that I work for them, and I truly believe that. I, 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 I genuinely believe that. I, I want to give them every opportunity that they want, 
Um, we've got a lad starting with us and uh, the kitchen's closed Saturday, Sunday. I said, if you want to come in and start your own business and use the kitchen on a Saturday and Sunday, you come and start your own business. Do you know what I mean? I want to give people the wow. opportunity. Some people want uh, uh, want to work, let like get, want, you know, it's important for them to be away early and get away at the weekend. They're really into that. You know, they've got other, other things, other interests. So, you know, I don't, I don't feel like, if someone wants to get out and it, this isn't their live life and soul, it's just a job, I understand that as well. Then we've got people who are a bit more want to be part of the business and grow with the business. That's also fine. It's, you know, it's whatever that person wants. Mate, I love that. I love the fact that you, are, well, you, I guess you're doing what Rock, Rock Paul did to you, which is allowing you to create something of your own. Uh, we had a guest on a couple of weeks ago, Amanda Stevens, who I think, it wasn't her quote, but she reminded me of the quote, what happens if I train my staff and they leave? And I think the other side of that quote is, what if you don't train your staff and they stay? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. That's it's, a great, I've never thought of it that way. That's it, a, exactly that. Yeah, it's a really smart way of looking well, at I, it. I, I won't take no claim for that, but it is. It's, I, I, love, I love business owners who put so much effort. And boy, boy, you're saying you, you feel like you work for your staff. I mean, that is... That's an interesting uh, approach. I, one thing I've noticed, just looking at the City Larder brand, Robbie... Uh, is that you seem to spend you attach a lot of importance to the visual branding the logo beautiful photography beautiful web design how important is this to you no it's it's massive we actually have we have two or three photographers that work for us at different styles as well so um yeah the branding's really important i think is is that because you've grown up in, in is that because you've grown up in in restaurants that are beautifully presented and you've always been into the aesthetic or is there something else there no, definitely. We're definitely trying to bring the restaurant mentality to a wholesale business. There's no two ways about that. That is exactly what we're doing with the service. We try and give the service to our customers that we would get in a restaurant. You know what I mean? And and that goes right away along the board. So I guess, you know, terrines and pate effectively have a tendency, maybe if you just say it, aren't that interesting so we need the visual as well and video we're quite big into video we've had a few of them and we're just trying to bring it into the modern day you know it's 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 an old-fashioned style that people are definitely getting are interested in and we're just trying to modernize it and, and and brand it up basically oh that's really interesting so what you said then is you, you you're bringing the five-star restaurant service mentality to a wholesale business How, what's that look like give me like two or three things that you see delivered in a in a fancy restaurant that you've now brought to wholesale okay so for instance this week let's say well last week because the deliveries haven't gone out this week but last week it's pre-easter mega time of year for us really big it's it's a second busiest after christmas it's the busiest this is the busiest time of year for us and um so we know the delivery driver who drives the van is going to be under the pump. Everyone's got, in, instead of getting one or two boxes, they're getting three or four. So, you know, they have to make many runs to the shop and this, that, the other. Um, so instead of just leaving it at that, which a lot of wholesale business do, not bagging them, but what they'll do is just like, it'll come when it comes, no communication. Beck emails everyone or calls everyone and says, we've got a very busy run this week. Just to let you know, we are coming, but uh, it might be running half an hour late. And just let and just communicate with them that that's mm-hmm. a situation, you know. So it's not like well, the delivery is always here at two o'clock. Is it? It's not here. It's it's half past two. It's quarter three. It's not here. Did I put the order in? And then they've got to start looking, checking their diary. Did we put that order in? And then you know, three o'clock it rocks up. They're like, oh no, yeah, yeah, that's all good. Or they've got to make the phone call. You're wasting their time. Why are you wasting their time? They did put the order in. You just let them know that you did. You haven't got the order, and we are going to deliver, but we are going to be running late. And that's the same as if you're in a restaurant. If you you know the kitchen's getting slammed, 
and you've ordered a, a steak or a bowl of pasta or whatever it might be in a restaurant, the waiters, the chef might go to the waiter, just let everyone know that we're getting slogged a little bit. We've had two tables come in, two big tables, and just let them know the food is coming, but there's a little bit of a delay. Ask them if they want another drink. That might be something, and that's good service, you know, and that's what we do. They're the kind of things that we, we're prepared to do. I love that, mate. Communication. I used to do... Uh, Communication. It's uh, huge. It's, it's key. It is, it is absolutely key because, I mean, people get it. People, like, understand that sometimes things go wrong. Things get delayed. And um, I think there's... Sometimes businesses hide behind that and are too scared to make the phone call or tap the customer on the shoulder and go, oh, you know, your delivery's been put back a bit. But we're forgiving creatures at the end of the day, most of the time. Absolutely. So that's the front of the house and then the back of the house. So, for instance, we were making a black pudding and it, and, and it was on a guy's it was on a guy's menu, and um, you know, and he committed to to be for us to be on the menu, and and we got it wrong twice. And I was like, this isn't working. You know, this I'm not gonna. This isn't this isn't what's you know. It's not happening. We haven't got the time to spend on it properly. It was like getting pushed to one side. We weren't selling enough to make like a real line to make it really work. So we were half-assing it and, it, and that's what we were doing. So I made the decision, this isn't good enough. Let's just stop doing that line. We're not doing a very good job. We're not doing the job good enough for, for our reputation and we're letting people down. So I just got, so I then found another supplier for him and said, look, we can't do it, but check these guys out. These guys um, make a good black pudding, start using them, and da, 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 this, that, the other. So that's another area of, you know, trying to give good service like you would get in a restaurant. Has that come back and rewarded you, that, that you know, saying you can't Absolutely. do something? Yeah. It's relationships. Relationships is a, a, a key. It's a key thing, you know. Like, for instance, someone's, two people's fridges went down last week, Um one, two of our customers would you believe it and it, it's happened to me a few months well about a year ago where I cut $3,000 worth of stock and I put it in the fridge we went away for the weekend come back I come back the fridge was at 30 right. degrees and the compressor had gone so I had to throw all that stock away it's heartbreaking I mean putting that in the garbage was just absolutely heartbreaking since we put other, we put things in place where we have sensors in all the fridges and we get notifications so that won't happen again but this has happened to these people they had to put a reorder off us I guess it's like when you fill your car up with diesel you got to you pay for the diesel then you empty it you've got to pay to get it emptied and then you've got to refill it with petrol and you've got to pay for that petrol again it's like oh my goodness so you know they've got to rebuy all that stock so we just give them a little discount and say look we're really sorry about your fridge going down there's a little discount i know it's not much but at least it's a little bit of a help to pay for the fridge to get fixed Love it costs it, us nothing you know like what's it cost us 50 100 bucks like it doesn't matter they're having such a bad time and we want to be there to support them because if you support them in the hard times they'll support you in the good times you know yep Totally agree. And the whole concept of um, high perceived value to your client at a low cost to you, the business owner, is a great sort yeah, of strategy and mindset to have. Exactly. Exactly uh, that. I, I have to go back a couple of minutes, Robbie. Black pudding, mate. Can you just give me some insight into why why we need black pudding in the world? Well, first of all, it's absolutely delicious. We'll start with that. <laughs> and secondly, it's incredibly healthy. It's super healthy. So is an apple. Uh, yeah but you know it is what it is it's something that i love also it's very um you know why waste it the animals died for you to give up its life for you why just let that perfectly good product just pour down the drain what's the why why do that when we can use it and hello to all your vegetarian and vegan listeners uh out there robbie um most effective marketing that you do for city larder what is it In, in terms of attracting attracting new customers because you're a b2b business at the end of the day aren't you yeah we are we are yeah for sure um so there's two that i'd like to say and one is working on word of mouth 
and like actually working on that doing things that help promote people to spread your word to spread your word not just delivering to them and hoping but making wow factors going that extra mile um, you know, really never missing deliveries, always being reliable, and making sure that they that they talk because obviously they all talk amongst each other. You know, retail retailers. Mm -hmm. So that's one that's one area I would definitely say as a marketing tool we work on trying to get people to talk about us. And then I think the next one is it's pretty simple to be honest, and that's Facebook and Instagram marketing uh, targeted markets. And that you know, that's probably another big, the second biggest one. Uh, paid advertising. Paid, yeah, paid, paid. Okay, do you yeah. do that yourself? Yeah, yeah, we do that ourselves. Yeah, we do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. So, face uh, boosted posts on Facebook. Not boosted, no. not boosted, targeted, targeted, not targeted boosted. posts on Facebook help you attract new customers. So what are you doing? You're saying there's a lot of restaurant, cafe owners on Facebook. I would have thought Instagram, is why I'm questioning that. Yeah, is Instagram thought, as well, yeah. Okay. Sure. Instagram also, for sure. Probably even about the same. Yeah, okay. because we can target... Um, because in the wholesale business, also, um, people are, are looking for the next new thing, maybe. You know, mm -hmm. something different, a point of different. Especially in the, in the market that we're at. We're, we're trying, they're trying to look for something unique that Coles or Woolworths haven't got you know so they if you if you're they're always searching for them kind of products so and so if we can get out there and be in the market for owners and buyers for these kind of places and, and promote them kind of things like for instance we'll boot we'll promote like farmers markets for instance we do do farmers markets but part of our you know when you when you do your you choose your categories that you're that you want to target we will go farmers markets because we know a lot mm. of these small independent grocers butchers uh, buyers for these kind of places go to farmers markets and look for new products in farmers markets which we do and we've had plenty of business through that so therefore we just use social media and that target you mentioned Coles and and Woolworths uh, the big daddies of all the, the retail FMCG trade are you, are you tempted to is your wish that you get the big contract or do you want to stay definitely not definitely not I, really? I, I dislike them as much as the banks wow hello yeah, to all they're the, not uh, for me yeah, I, okay. the only thing I'll buy from them is like you know bleach probably about <laughs> it really the the rest the rest I don't I wouldn't I wouldn't buy it I just don't I don't agree with it I don't agree with their philosophy and I think the way that they, they try and brand it without delivering the meat's terrible the, the way the care for the people is terrible I think the automation is 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 not good for for the for our industry and I think it's you know technology you can fight technology all you want and you're going to come off second best there's no two ways about that but you know I would rather my dollar go to the small independent than than. The, the big um, corporations, personally. Love it. You probably can get bleach outside of those places anyway. So you yeah, 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 yeah. You're probably right. <laughs> You're a man of principles, clearly. Yeah, you know, I do. I think so, yeah, yeah, I, I do. I mm. just think they've put so many people... Look at, like, look, going back to England and you look at them, they've put the, the milkman out of business. What, what happened to the milkman? He's gone because of them, you know. The mm. the news agents, they all sell all the papers and that in England and that. So they're out. Of, they're all getting going out of business. And they're putting everyone out of business. Then the people, and I'm not, you know, people might, oh, stop getting on your high horse or whatever, but then the people will say... Oh, there's all oh, the shops have shut down in the high street. It's not like it used to be. It's like, yeah, because you're spending all mm. your money in a one-stop shop, so all the independents can't can't do that. You well, know, listen. if you think about how many how many employees it takes to run a, a Coles and how much revenue they take, as opposed to how many employees 
a small independent takes and how many employees that they take it's way it's much better for the economy to shop at the small thing it might cost you a little bit more but they're, they're employing part-timers and a lot it's a lot better you know that's my I, view you know well I, I totally agree with you the last bit you know it might cost you a little bit more I actually think it costs you a lot more and I'll probably stir the you know the hornet's nest here I'm all for shopping with the small guy I've been doing a podcast for the small guy for 10 years I love supporting yeah. them if you add up the savings of not going to the small guy over the course of a year, I would argue it's probably in the thousands of dollars. You know, if you go to the the little hardware store, if you go to the little bakery, the little bread guy, the little charcuterer, the little everything, (laughs) you know, it's going to cost you a whole lot more. There's great joy in it. There's great satisfaction in it. I just hope that we get to the day when the majority of the population and not just those on big incomes can or we can all go to the small guy. That would be awesome when we put the big guy out of business. That oh, that, I would, that's my dream. That would be. I would love that for sure. But you know what? I, just going off the going off that a little bit. I I also believe you you pro, you you you're probably correct about that. It is more expensive. But on the same hand, if it wasn't for the small guys, we wouldn't have had the opportunity. You know, we mm-hmm. we like I probably wouldn't have this opportunity in England to be fair because I really feel like the small guys, the IGAs. The, the Leos, the independent butchers, the bouchers, and these kind of people in Melbourne, they've given us the opportunity. And now we've got nine staff, and, you know, what's that done, you know? In, in, and people can't afford to do it. If mm. they don't want to be wearing the top-of-the-range Air Max, if they don't want to have the top-of-the-range plasma LCD, LEG... Oh, yeah. BWC TV. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it does. Like if you do want that, and you're more interested in your your community, and you're more interested in what you're putting into your body, as opposed to what you're watching on the te- like how you the shoes you're wearing or whatever it might be. Well, then it's I think it's better for the community, in my view. That's what I, I, I like. I, I, that's how I that's how I shop and the way I look at things. I'm just writing that down, mate. Be more interested in your community, not your shoes. I love that, and you know, there's an aha in a ha ha, and I think you've nailed it there, <laughs> Robbie. Um, just want to finish, mate, because I am talking to a fellow podcaster. You've been podcast. You got about thirty or forty episodes under your belt of cooking the books podcast. Why? Yeah. Why did you start that? <sighs> A few reasons. Again, on my high horse, I've got loads of people like, oh, this guy's always whinging on, but I generally I'm pretty positive. But um, I, I feel like there's a few reasons. One, I'm not in the kitchen as much, so I don't have that connection with the chefs, and I love that industry, the, the hospitality and the and the restaurant industry. I love it, it, it like more. It's, I just absolutely love it. So. I didn't have that connection. I wasn't in communication with with people like I used to be. I used to be really in it. So that was one reason I wanted to keep them them networks and them them um, them communication alive. I guess that them conversations alive. That was one reason. The other reason was brand recognition. I wanted our brand to be recognised with some of the best chefs in the world and let them know that I'd put a lot of effort into creating these relationships. And that's our background. And I wanted to give confirmation that it wasn't just all you know. It wasn't just all talk that I have worked with these guys and and I have done that so it was a bit of brand recognition and and connection in that sense and the third reason is I feel like um, some of the big uh, magazines and papers have their favourites and if you're the in thing and you're you're the cool thing at the time 
well then you you'll be in the paper a lot or you'll be in the magazines a lot and it's only the top tier that they kind of get involved in really and then the, the odd up-and-comers and i feel like the guys who are in there doing it every day grafting 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 don't really all get the recognition and i would like and i would like to give them a platform to tell their story oh mate that is brilliant because i gotta say you know again back to the mass media uh, like the big magazines and the big tv station you, you just see the same people rolled out time and time and time again and i think it's boring and i it uh, is definitely boring. And, and i'm with you i take a little bit of pride in the fact on this show i have people as guests that many listeners have never heard of and they now have like you mate you know you're, you're smashing it they now you know hopefully i can give you just a little bit more exposure because you're doing awesome things uh, but exactly. you know the vogue the vogue livings of the world or whatever you know vogue entertaining they might not you know profile robbie just yet they will now mate you've been on the show but you know <laughs> oh that's awesome what, what has um, what has um podcasting done specifically for city larder um you know i think it, again we're going back to community we're going mm. you know i think it's made our community a lot stronger i know people say all the time oh i was listening to this or people are getting um inspiration you know our community because a lot of our stockists listen to it and we've had a lot of our stockists on as well you know they listen to it and they feel part of it they're part of a community we're all part of a bigger thing you know and i think that's basically it we're just trying to create a bit a bit of a a bit of a community and that can we can all bounce off each other take inspiration from one another believe that you're not the only one in the trenches you know having a hard time or even a good time and maybe get a few tips along the way he does this he does that and i just like to be I like to just have that um, that platform, really. You know, what, I enjoy that. Love it. What, what, and what a simple way podcasting is to give back to someone. For you to say to a supplier or a colleague in the industry, hey, can I interview you? That's just an awesome gift. Oh, it's, yeah, absolutely. You know? and, and, and I feel great. You know what? I'll be honest. I'll co- and I, it's the same as this. I'll come off this and I'll have like, like endorphins just pouring out of me, it'd be dripping from the ceiling, as you'd say. Do you know what I mean? Yes, it, I'll, well, I'll it, change the uh, change the tagline: endorphins dripping from the ceiling exactly. over here at Small That's Business Big Idea. Just you come out high, feeling great, and something like this can change your week. Good on Seriously. you, mate. I love that. What? Hey, well, speaking of week and looking into the future, what what can we expect in a year's time from City Larder? Where are you going to be? Well, I, I, I use a, the, the power of visualisation heaps. I mean, I, I use it on a day-to-day basis. And, um, you know, the, the, future's, the future's looking good for us, in my view. And I, I, there's a lot of channels that we want to get into. We keep growing. We keep going the charcuterie. And I truly believe that, unfortunately, the way the wage cost is in England, uh, in sorry, in Australia, my bad, um, the way the wage cost is and, the, and the, the, the margins in the restaurants is very low. It's quite it's quite difficult to make a dollar a strong dollar should i say you know like consistently um and i just think there's a big gap in the market for ready to go b2b food items like like back in the day that people used to go buy a whole animal and then they would break it down themselves and Mm -hmm. sell each part then the butcher come on on board and he started breaking down each part and selling it to each restaurant as they wanted it um, and I think the next the next uh, part of the evolution is for restaurants to start buying ready to go cooked cooked 
uh, cooked duck breast, cooked oh, yep. pork bellies, these kind of things. And that's the market that we're going after. Love it, buddy. Robbie, I have thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. You reckon you're going to race off with endorphins? I'll be doing the same, mate. So it's been, been a bit of a love-in uh, from two Beautiful. blokes who didn't know a each mutual, other half an hour that's ago. That's a great contract when, the, when both people leave happy. We know we've done a good thing. I agree. And to everyone else, well, I, I was going to send every, all listeners to city-larder.com. I mean, go and visit it. But if you're a, if you're a restaurateur or cafe owner or you've got a stall at a farmer's market, please contact Robbie and just make a re- really big order. Robbie, love your work, mate. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for the opportunity. No, on, like, like, real quick, just before I go on, I know time's precious, but I started off listening to you about five years, I think it was about five years ago, we, I briefly mentioned it in the past, about the guys that were putting the bins away for uh, a dollar, and I visualised being on this podcast, oh. I visualised speaking to you, like I visualised going on Joe Rogan's, and I visualised going on Gary V's, I visualised going on yours, and today it happened, and this is just the first step in many of our, uh, of, of our path to get to the, the, where we want to get to. Love your work, Robbie. Big hug, mate. Big man hug. Take it easy. Thanks for your time, everyone. Well, there you go. Charcutera Robbie Bell. (laughs) What an awesome bloke. Although I reckon he needs to set his goals a little higher beyond just wanting to be on this podcast. You can check out all City Larder have to offer at city-larder.com. Plus, Robbie's kindly donated some vouchers for the Monster Prize draw. Here's what grabbed my attention from that chat with Robbie. Attention grabber number one. I love the fact that Robbie works for his staff, even to the point that he's helping one of his young blokes start his own business, which clearly he's paying it forward given one of Robbie's past employers allowed him to start his own business while working for him. So that's, I think it's awesome. So I guess it raises the question, what are you doing for your staff to help them grow? You know, what's that famous saying? I think Amanda Stevens shared it on a recent episode. Um, what happens if you train your staff and they go? But more importantly, what if you don't train your staff and they stay? So kind of raises the question, what are you doing for your staff? How are you rewarding them? It's hard to get good people. It's even harder to keep them. Be as good as you can to your staff because good ones are hard to get and uh, they can be easy to lose. You know that. You know that much as I do. Attention grabber number two. I love the fact that Robbie's bringing a five-star restaurant mentality to a wholesale business. It's such a point of difference. You know, generally, I'm, I'm guessing a lot of wholesale businesses, it's just kind of B2B, you know, marketing, pretty pretty grey and boring. Or some business owners think that's what B2B should be. I totally disagree with that. And it's lovely that Robbie is kind of bringing that five-star mentality to wholesale. Attention grabber number three... I love his view that we should be more interested in supporting our local community than in buying the next pair of expensive shoes. Like I said, that's tough. It's expensive to buy locally. I go to the farmer's market every Sunday. It costs me hundreds of bucks, hundreds of bucks. I'm a bit of a sucker though. I do love a bit of homemade gnocchi, you know, a bit of organic vegan pineapple. I know, I know, all pineapple's vegan, you know what I mean. Anyway, buy locally. Let's do that as much as we can. That's what grabbed my attention. Whatever grabbed yours, be sure to block out some time in that busy diary and implement it. Come on down. It's Timbo's Monster Prize Draw. Oh, yes. You know what that means. It's time to reward another motivated listener 
for taking some swift, inspired, motivated marketing action as a result of listening to this show, of course. And today's winner is... Trish Ridge of The Chartist. Well done to you, Trish. What have you got to say? And once you've said it, I'll give you lots of prizes. Trish says, hey, Timbo, I've been binge casting. (laughs) Binge casting, I love that. Your pod. There's a bit of tech talk there. I've been binge casting your pod and scooping up bucket loads of marketing G-O-L-D. I've implemented so many of your tips, but one that really struck gold for us was possibly a throwaway line you made at the end of episode 434 with Brendan Tarazzi. Brendan has multiple small lifestyle businesses and therefore many websites. Our business has evolved over 20 years. And like Brendan, we have multiple websites all revolving around trading the stock market. My husband and business partner, geez, how's that going, Trish? Husband and business partner. Could be tough, but it sounds like doing pretty well. Was invited to talk at a conference on Wall Street last week. Love that. And his topic didn't relate to our main website, which is thechartist.com.au. We were trying to work out how we could sign off his presentation, which email address should he use? Then, boom, she says, you told Brendan he should set up brendantarazzi.com so people could contact him easily. Quick as a flash, I built nickradge.com, a personal brand website for my hubby Nick, and set up a new email address with that website. We returned from New York two days ago and have been answering messages from conference delegates wanting Nick to design unique trading strategies for them. They would never have learnt about that service via our main website. We can't thank you enough, Timbo, for this fabulous tip. Regards, Trish. Well, Trish, it just continues to rain gold over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ because for you implementing that simple idea, taking action, you get some prizes. You get a full range of liars, non-alcoholic spirits. That's valued at over 500 bucks. A $50 Sendal voucher, a $100 Tradies Undies voucher, $50 voucher to buy some Santa Nable PJs, $75 City Lard voucher, My DNA Test Kit, 99 bucks, Snotty Noses voucher, 75 bucks, On The Go Merchandise voucher, 75 bucks, plus, here's the magic, promotion on this show, which I've just given you, and a backlink in the show notes, which the big G, Google, love. Now, to all you other envious listeners out there, I hope you are, like she won a lot of prizes then and has taken some swift marketing action. If you have done the same, if you've listened to this show, implemented an idea, can you please email me and tell me about that? 100 words or less, tim at timreid.com.au. If I read it on air, you win a bag load. (laughs) There's just no downside. That brings us almost to the end of episode 462. A reminder that you'll find plenty more where this came from on the podcast One Australia app, plus my entire archive is over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Next week, you and I are going to catch up with serial entrepreneur Carl Hartman, who seems to have the Midas touch, I'd have to say, when launching businesses, and he's going to share his top five tips for scaling any business. If you're getting value from this episode or from this podcast, please let other business owners know about it. It was presented by me, Timbo Reid, and cleverly pulled together by the intuitive team at Podcast One Australia. Thanks a million for tuning in. Now get out there and take action. Listener.